Welcome to this episode of Louisiana's Got Talent, a podcast brought to you by the Board of Regents. I'm Commissioner of Higher Education, Dr. Kim Hunter-Reed, Louisiana's Chief Talent Development Officer. This podcast is designed to showcase visionary leaders, innovative ideas, and best practices around access, success, and equity for all college students, no matter your race, place, or zip code. We have a very special guest for this episode, Dr. Ray Belton, my friend and a phenomenal leader. After 35 years of service to Southern University, Dr. Belton is retiring as President Chancellor of Southern this fall, and a new SU leader will take the helm. For 14 years, Dr. Belton served as Chancellor of Southern University Shreveport, where I met him, which saw $34 million in capital improvements and a 156% increase in enrollment. Phenomenal. In 2015, he made history as Southern's first President Chancellor, since then, the university has seen both retention and graduation rates increase. It received recently the coveted R2 research status, and resources to support campus enhancement have grown tremendously from the state, alumni, and corporations as well. People believe in SU because they believe in this leader. He has been a committed leader, a student advocate, a collaborator, a partner, a champion for talent development, and I'm proud to call him my friend. Dr. Belton, welcome. Well, well, thank you, and uh, thank you for your kind acknowledgments. It's really a pleasure to be with you today. Oh, delighted to have you, and congratulations <laughs> on your retirement. What a ride it has been. <laughs> it has been a journey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a journey, and, and you know, and as you, you pointed out, um, it started as a student, a faculty member, uh, introduction into administration, chancellor, and, and now maintaining a leadership role here on the Baton Rouge campus. What are your fondest memories as you think back? And have you? Ha I know you've been so busy doing the work. Have you had a time to just reflect? Well, let me preface my comments by, by first uh, thanking you, Madam uh, Commissioner, uh, for inviting me first to this podcast. I'd further like to just acknowledge your leadership in, in leading our talent development work across the state. Uh, the investment that has clearly been made in our institution speaks to your commitment and proven success. And so many congratulations uh, to you on a, on a job well done. I would further suggest that the state of Louisiana uh, has benefited and will continue to receive dividends as a result uh, uh, of your work. Oh, thank and, you, Ray. And so you should know that um, uh, I think one of the things that I most enjoyed was serving as a faculty member, mm. right? And so I worked uh, as a faculty member for about nine years, and I got so much intrinsic reward from just seeing students grow from one point to another. I was literally resisted uh, going into administration, and, and some would argue that I was drafted. <laughs> <laughs> drafted or dragged? <laughs> dragged both. <laughs> Right, uh, and so um, uh, and so that has always been, you know, um, uh, a fun occasion to have the opportunity. Even now, and I miss that. Yes. But even now, having the opportunity to to engage with students, I make a point, or have made a point of you know engaging with students on campus, working with the SGA, mm -hmm. actually see those opportunities to be labs for students. Yes. to exercise their leadership. 
And so those are, are, are very special to me. You know, um, meeting students when they first arrive uh, on campus. Yes. Uh, and, you know, uh, the most important day of the semester uh, where dreams are finally realized, that being the day of graduation. Yes, indeed. And as you know, degree attainment is at the forefront of all of our priorities, and graduation day is symbolic of all that we do every day to create opportunities for our students and their families. Absolutely. Nothing like a celebration <laughs> Nothing of like families it. celebrating the investment they have made in their students. And we do have families coming out in, in significant numbers. Yes. Uh, I recall uh, even in Shreveport where you would have a graduation class of three or 400 students, but you have thousands of family members coming out to celebrate yes. you know, those momentous occasions for them. And so... Uh, it's just remarkable to, to see how people see graduation as pivotal points uh, in the lives of their uh, significant others uh, and really uh, uh, opportunities for them to rethink uh, families, the destination of families going forward. Yes, it, it certainly is a family affair. It is. And it's changing, transformational for families. We know that when children graduate, Families are more likely to pursue education. Their children are more likely to graduate as well. Yeah, and that's why, you know, our work is just so important, uh, you know, to be able to provide access, uh, you know, for, for these students because it is transformational, you know, for, for, for the family. You know, uh, Southern University still enjoys uh, the opportunity to respond to the wishes of a lot of first-generational students. Yes. And... Uh, and that in and of itself, you know, uh, imposing on us to establish those wraparound services where students, you know, uh, where we can mitigate some anxiety that they may have, provide them concrete direction uh, such that, you know, they won't be overwhelmed by, by the experience. But as they journey through, the, through uh, that matriculation, what they ultimately provide for their for their offspring, for their sisters and brothers, nephews and cousins, is a pathway that they could document or affirm uh, that would be easier for those who follow behind it. So true. If they can do it, That's you right. can do it, right? That's exactly right. Absolutely. So I want to jump to the question about uh, you serving as both faculty and administrator since you've talked about that. Mm-hmm. Because you've led the only HBCU system in the nation. And I'm curious, when you think about talent and talent development, we talk so much about that in our state. It's pivotal to our work. What does talent and talent development mean to Dr. Belton? Yeah, well, uh, talent development is very simple. It's making the investment in our students to transition, transcend them from the beginning of their tenure to 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 the end where they're actually uh, entering, you know, the, the workforce. But, you know, for me, um, uh, talent is more, and, and it, it, it is, um, I think, relative. Uh, you know, the Board of Regents uh, master plan uh, speaks to increasing the degree attainment by, what, 85? 60% by 2030. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and <clears throat> as you documented where we are in the here and now, it, it's apparent that HBCUs in particular have to do more in yes. terms of producing, you know, uh, talent. 
uh, for the state. And I think as a higher education community, we have a responsibility, quite frankly, to fill those workforce voids for, for business and industry. And if we fail, I think uh, we are failing uh, uh, those consumers or, or those employers who depend on us for, for talent. You know, but when you think about talent, I think we look at it, or I think about it um, uh, differently, because um, uh, it is, to me, it's more than providing students just the prerequisite technical skills um, necessary for them to be competitive, you know, in the, in the global marketplace. I think it also speaks to developing the individual, you know, as well. Right. You know, uh, providing for them a holistic experience where, you know, certainly they will be proficient uh, in the program of study or their discipline of choice, but also where they have a greater sense of self and confidence. And what we do at Southern as well is try to, uh, we have an expectation, quite frankly, that we, we try to groom leaders, yes. you know, and, and so um, leaders who would go back into our communities and exert appropriate guidance to move the communities uh, forward. And so, you know, when I think about uh, talent development, I'm talking about, yes, indeed, providing those technical competencies and attributes that would enable them to be successful and contribute, you know, to, to the workforce, but also developing the whole student, you know, where, you know, there's a greater sense of self-worth and where they understand their obligation and responsibility to influence what's happening in their respective communities. So well said and so important. And I will admit, and I know you will as well, it's gotten harder to do that yeah. with so much disruption. We don't educate in a vacuum. I always say we educate in the reality of what's happening in our state. Yeah, exactly. So we have to talk about pandemic and yeah. racial unrest and yeah. hurricanes yeah. and all of those outside forces yeah. that have led to big disruption. So what are some of the lessons learned as you've had to keep this train moving, keep education moving despite yeah. disruption after disruption? Yeah, well, there's been a lot of lessons learned over about two years. But let, let me go back even further because um, one of the things that was so apparent to me uh, was the need uh, to position a university where it'd be, it would be more self-sufficient. And this particularly after the dark days of higher education in the state of Louisiana where there's just literally a disinvestment. Right. And you may recall the time when you know, higher education institutions had to respond to multiple uh, cut after cuts cut after cuts. cut. As I recall, I think there were over the course of 15 years, we had 15 cuts. One of which was in June, uh, at the tw at the very end of the right. fiscal year. Right. And and and, and the uh, and, and I don't have to tell you, but the result was uh, a, a paradigm shift where the burden of uh, supporting one's higher education rested with the student or was shifted to the student. Yes. Where the state is only funding us now at about a 30% a 30 uh, rate. And so, so for me then, the lesson learned was you, you cannot depend on uh, governmental agencies to dictate your destiny. 
right? Right. And it, it prompted us then to begin to look at, you know, partnerships and relationships uh, and other means of securing external resources, you know, for the university, taking a hard look at our foundation and our fundraising mm -hmm. capacity and things of that nature. Uh, and, and I think we've been uh, uh, very successful at that. Uh, we, uh, at one point, uh, Southern University, Baton Rouge in particular, you know, we had a lot of, and we, we are, com we are uh, confronted every day with opportunities for partnerships. And so we had a lot of partnerships, uh, but uh, I would not consider them substantive partnerships where there's a mutual benefit Right. You know, to to the university uh, and, and to uh, our, our, our partner, uh, and so we have been very deliberate in terms of uh, streamlining what that looks like, uh, what those relationships look like, and and you know, um, and, and so what we and we're looking at, you know, not only um, uh, monetary investments in the university, but the degree to which you're working with us, helping us shape curricula, you know, where uh, uh, where these partnerships help drive the mission uh, of, of Southern University. And so, right. you know, even when we start talking about the storms and the pandemics, you know, uh, I was uh, fortunately, you know, Southern University's campus were not um, significantly impacted you know, by the storms, but I marveled at the level of collaboration that occurred with the Board of Regents, Division of Administrations, the other systems of higher education, how they rebuilt, you know, those those campuses. And to me, that's about, that's about leadership and developing collaborative relationships right. that, that, about, that uh, bring that about. That did not happen in years past. Uh, and, uh, and even as it relates to the pandemic, I think, you know, uh, what was revealing uh, and keeping with the relationships and partnerships that we had developed was uh, the depth to which, you know, healthcare systems just kind of guided us, you right. know, uh, you know uh, uh, along the way. Uh, Southern University assumed its rightful responsibility in really shaping a campaign that we launched across the state to educate, you know, communities about the value or just to educate students about COVID-19 right. and, and such that they could make a choice about, you know, their health. And we partnered with uh, as many as 250 organizations across the state and developed uh, vaccine sites across the state to push out, you know, that, that agenda. You know, and so again, it was to me, it's just relationships that, you know, that we felt compelled to move toward in, in terms of our fundraising capacity. Uh, all of that has been improved. Uh, our investing in research, all of that has, uh, um, uh, has occurred in keeping with that philosophy that we need to control our own destiny and not be so dependent upon uh, what may or may not happen uh, within, you know, the state of Louisiana. So well said. And, you know, I think it is a bit unique to the HBCU experience. You, you talked about the, the pandemic, and we had both vaccine hesitancy, medical distrust. So Southern stepped up 
uh, to talk about communities of color and how do we engage them, the Health Equities Task Force yes, at its exactly. Southern University. And so I think the HBCUs and certainly in your leadership, you always say, let's not just talk about Southern. Let's talk about our reach, That's right. the HBCU reach. Right. So right. talk to me a bit about HBCUs. Obviously, we've had some, I think, more interest in HBCUs than ever before. <laughs> Um, but we also obviously sit in a, a place where we see racial violence, we see bomb threats. I mean, it's, it's a challenge to work in this, in this particular time. Yeah. But talk to me about the relevance and the importance of HBCUs right now. Well, the, the value proposition for HBCUs is, is, is un, unlimited. And I think, I think many are aware of the the data that speaks to the, the, the lower percentage of students who are actually enrolled at HBCUs, but <clears throat> the significant outputs in terms of uh, the degree to which these institutions are actually shaping the middle class for African Americans uh, in America. You know, in, in America. You know, but uh, I, I, <clears throat> I do think that HBCUs have a, a greater purpose, uh, if you will. You know, uh, I, you know, it's 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 not. It was probably purposeful at the time that you know HBCUs, uh, the parcels to which they rest, were in, um, I would say, depressed communities, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, and and my son, believe it or not, he referenced that uh, he was going to Southern, and he traveled with the. I mean, he didn't play. Uh, Football, but he made a point of going to all of the games and what have you. He came and he asked me a question about, you know, why is it that all these everywhere I went, you know, HBCUs were like, you know, in in in, in I think he he coined it something else, but distressed or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you know, and I was I was pondering, I was giving some thought about, you know, Brown versus Board of Education, all of this, and I just said to him, I said, you know. The fact of the matter is that these institutions are positioned right where they need to be. You know, we have a purpose, and shame, shame on us if you're not, if we're not doing more in terms of driving economic development, engaging in efforts for community revitalization right. uh, in, in these communities. We ought to be leaders in terms of pushing out opportunities. You know, for uh, uh, lifting up communities and driving more business, uh, you know, uh, development uh, yeah. in, 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 these, in, in these communities. And, you know, um, and, so, and so I, th I think that's just an example of, of, of HBCUs. The Board of Regents, uh, yourself personally, have done so much in terms of trying to uh, engage more with uh, K through 12 institutions mm -hmm. and establish a more meaningful marriage between higher ed and, 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 uh, and, and secondary education. Uh, and uh, I just think that's so uh, uh, critical, you know, in terms of being able to reach out to, uh, 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 reach out to um, uh, students who do not see college as an option uh, them. You know, if, if you will. Yeah. And I've had the occasion to meet young teenagers who 
I mean, literally, I was, I was somewhat stunned myself at the frequency to which uh, I would meet young teenage uh, African-American men who, who, who did not see themselves living to the, at, to, to, the, to the age of 20. And, and, and more, what was more important was that, uh, what, what was more significant was they were comfortable with it. It's like I'm like I'm I'm alone. Yes, it's by, a foregone conclusion. That. Terrible. Like, yes. And they were like, well, that's just the way it is. I mean, and so to for HBCUs, I just think that we have to find strategies to be able to touch, um, <clears throat> you know, these communities in such a way as to be able to bring them in for whatever reason. Whether it be you know, my nephew was, uh, uh, he ultimately went to. Tulane on a football scholarship. Yes. But all his interest was was playing football. <laughs> I mean, he wanted to get the education. Right. But as he developed, mature, as his maturity developed, he got a degree. Excellent. And now he's doing a great job with it. Yes. And so no matter what compels you to come to our institution, whether it be playing in a band right. or whatever. Now that we have right, you. Now that we have you, we have opportunity to shape you. Yes. And, and I think... That's what I'm most proud about institutions like Southern or other HBCUs is there, the degree to which, you know, uh, they have adopted the position that they're going to define and shape students with those values that ultimately provide for them to be successful. So obviously you've talked about black males i want to lean into that ray because as you have said our state will not prosper if we don't erase equity gaps yeah we don't erase equity gaps until we have minority students enrolling and graduating at record numbers uh, like their peers of other races and males particularly are concerning so what's what's the message for an institution that is committed to minority student excellence What's the message around how to get more students enrolled and completed? Yeah, it's, to me, it's just, um, you know, having pathways of, of reaching them, uh, of being able to connect with them. And, you know, your embrace of, of dual enrollment, for example. Yeah. You know, it, it was my observation that when we went, when these schools began to uh, – facilitate high-stage testing, some of the opportunities for us to fuse ourselves in schools because they had to spend more time on preparing students for these tests. Right. It minimized the time to which we could actually engage with them. And so I think dual enrollment is one of those opportunities for us to establish more substantive relationships with mm-hmm. the students. So, so, they, so the idea is to be able to touch them early, early on you know, such that they could uh, begin to uh, visualize themselves continuing their education or establishing a career. You know, um, you know, I, 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 I have come to believe that poverty in and of, in and of itself, you know, is uh, one of the greatest challenges that we have uh, in in America. Absolutely. You know, and 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 it dictates so many. Things I, I I was having a conversation, you know, with um, uh, with um, uh, with my children about um, 
crime, you know, in, in our communities and and the presence of uh, gangs that in proportionately, you know, males right. uh, are engaged in. And, I, and I, I said to them, you know, not really knowing, know, but my hypothesis was, uh, if you will, that in, in many cases it's just simply a question of individuals seeking affirmation, you know, and, and call it a group, a fraternity, right. or a gang. A, a, a gang, I mean, that is a group. I mean, you are somebody uh, in that space. And without the benefit of having uh, a, a career, people are going to find ways of surviving, right? Right. And, and so it's just one thing reinforces the other. And so the degree to which we could infuse ourselves, I think, provide uh, for models where people could see um, you know what opportunities on could be on the horizon for them. Yes. You know your more recent uh, discussion and, and, and deliberations with the superintendent uh, of, of schools in, in terms of uh, looking at the practice, for example, or providing more pathways for teachers. That's right. so critical. That's of great importance to have African American teachers, teachers you know, the in, in these schools yes. and models that would, uh, for people to see other options, you know, right. you know, for themselves. And I think, you know, those type of things, um, uh, I think, make a difference. Uh, you were just speaking about, um, so I, I really think that the, the secret is, you know, finding um, opportunities to uh, engage with, uh, and we have at the collegiate level, of course, we have, at least two of our institutions, uh, SUNO, uh, SUBR, and Shreveport, all three, we have um, uh, special programs for African-American males, males, you know, particularly those who aspire to become teachers. Yes. You know, and we've had that for, for years. And, I mean, they... Uh, I mean, they're like they're like leaders amongst leaders, yes. uh, and 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 it's working out exceptionally well. But that's great. Uh, but that's uh, but but I think for us to make a, a greater impact, I think we have to you know f again find uh, other pathways to be able to touch them early on uh, in their matriculation. I think you're so right. We need more and more of that. It's so troubling to think that there's no hope that individuals, black males, are saying, you know, I think my life expectancy is going to be short, and that's just the way it is. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, be the way it is. But um, you're right. If we can just get them on a campus and get yeah. them exposed, see what an HBCU, what a Southern looks like, what a path looks like, for someone who looks just like them, who came from their community. Right. Because you're so right about poverty. Poverty crushes hope. And I do think that people have such a misconception who've never seen poverty that poverty equals laziness. People who are in poverty work harder than anyone. Right, exactly. Their lives are hard. Everything is hard. That's Transportation, food, health care, everything is hard right. when you're in poverty. That's right. And, and even parenting. I mean, when you have families having to work two jobs to maintain a household, and so they're away from home. Yes. Uh, for 16 hours a day, and so who's raising the children and things of that nature? All of it have repercussions uh, late, late, later on. But I think for 
for institutions like Southern, and and I, I, I particularly want to thank you and, and and the Board of Regents for considering uh, the adoption of the HBCU designation sure. because I've always argued that we are unique institutions, and that and that we have we were literally built uh, on the premise of providing access and opportunity. That's right. And so, and, and so as we're, t as we're speaking now, it, 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 it continues to unfold that we need to find ways of, of, of opening the doors to our institutions such that we can touch them. Now, it works best if you're a healthy institution and then you have the wraparound services right. to mitigate any challenges that students have. And I think that's what we have been working toward is making sure not to just host students who are who may or may not be prepared, mm -hmm. but ensuring that we have the wraparound support mechanism that if they come with some weaknesses that we could address those weaknesses while at the same time uh, 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 hosting them in an environment that would be self-fulfilling uh, at, at the same time. And that has really, I think, enabled us uh, to uh, grow uh, the university, not for the sake of growing the institution, but in terms of our capacity and our role to really be able to define these students, more students along the way, uh, such as to uh, uh, ultimately you know, uh, change their tra trajectory in life. So I want to end with a question that I didn't send to you in advance. So heads okay. up on that. All right. When you think about your years of service and you reflect forward, Ray, tell me what the future of our HBCUs look like in this United States of America. What do you want to see? Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think HBCUs will continue to be seen as viable. It's certainly, you know, um, uh, these institutions uh, and, and their mission has been illuminated more so recently in, in light of the uh, focus on social justice or, or what have you. I think uh, many will, um, and, and so, uh, I, but, um, but we have about 103 HBCUs now, and their position you know, in this space is different. Yes. So you have institutions who are struggling uh, and, and others that are thriving, right? And, and, uh, and, 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 and so there needs to be a continual investment uh, in, in HBCUs such that they can fulfill their, their lofty uh, purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, it goes without saying that everybody's catching up. And I say everybody in HBCU community, they're catching up. Mm -hmm. There has been historical ne neglect. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and, and where they have still not right, they, have, they are not uh, playing on the same playing field. Right. And so for us to uh, continue to uh, be able to be so positioned to uh, um, meet our expectations, I think there needs to be a continual investment in infrastructure uh, to to uh, enable the institutions to be successful uh, in, in achieving their goals. And so I think uh, uh, people are now taking an, another look at HBCUs, their mission and purpose, mm -hmm. 
and they lack what they see. And so I feel like the evolution of HBCUs are on the, uh, is on the uptick, uh, if, if you will. And, you know, in my other, in, in my next life, yes. uh, hopefully uh, I will be so positioned as to help that cause even, even more. And I, I have no doubt that you will be <laughs> at the front of the line making yeah. sure that we're advocating about the strength and the purpose and the power of our HBCUs yes. Yes. to move our communities forward. Yeah. If there was no such thing as an HBCU, you would have to invent it right now. Well said. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Ray, congratulations to you on your tenure uh, as the head jaguar of the Southern <laughs> System. Yeah. We're proud of your work. And certainly I'm grateful for your partnership and friendship. And, and thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Oh, yeah, sure. It was, it, it was great. And, and again, it's just been a joy uh, to have the opportunity to, uh, you know, work with you, uh, Commissioner you. Reed. Uh, it, it goes without saying I've been here for, for some, some time now. But I've, never, uh, uh, I've never been able to realize the depth of appreciation that we have now in terms of collaboration amongst the systems and the degree to which you are so transparent and, 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 and the depth to which you work so hard to ensure that we bring forth a, a, a unified message in whatever we do. I, I really think that uh, in keeping with your leadership that we're in a great place. I'm, it's really been my honor uh, to have the pleasure of working with you. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I know part of that compliment is for him to say that I am a Jaguar. (laughs) (laughs) PhD, Southern University, (laughs) of course. (laughs) Thank you again, Ray. Louisiana's Got Talent is a monthly podcast produced by the Louisiana Board of Regents. To learn more about our work here at Regents, please visit www.laregents.edu or connect with us on Twitter or on Facebook. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 